What's up, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas. Recording remotely from, I had to pause there, Jim. I'm like, where the hell am I right now? Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, here for a couple days, then going to rent a car and head to Tampa. Do some Buccaneers stuff. Was going to do some Atlanta Falcons like we discussed, but saving that for training camp. Which is really crazy how these rental car prices jump, Jim. Like, to rent a car from Jacksonville to Atlanta for four days, it was only like 150 bucks, if that. But if I were to do it for four days and leave the car in Tampa before flying home, it was like 1250 bucks. Right. So, they get you on those one ways. Yeah, I guess there's a shortage of cars in Tampa or something. Uh, but yeah, not, not doing that. So we're relying on lifts and such uh, with a mini rental for the Jacksonville to Tampa trip. But cannot wait. Off to a great start. We've got so many features in the works. I think y'all are going to love what's cooking to go along. So I'm going to save a lot of it probably for like late July, early August, when the season really kind of gets into gear. I mean, but we're already in June almost, Jim. It's insane how fast the soft season's gone. But anyways, enough of that. How are you? What's happening up north? It looks like it's a beautiful evening up there. I'm trying to figure out how you leave Buffalo, Western New York this time of year. I know. But that's it. You're dedicated. You're dedicated to the stories. But it is nice to see. It's just nice to, you know, the deal. Western New York. We all saw it with the really that Oak Hill um, PGA Championship, how the weather was so bad. You know, I think it was Thursday, maybe Friday or Saturday. I can't remember every day. But then last day. Beautiful, all the drama. It was kind of Western New York summed up, you know, how it can be. We know it. You can get snow in May, and a week later, 75. Didn't watch a second of it, Jim. Was it good? I hear it was good. I can't say I really watched it, Tyler, but I followed it enough as a gambler to know it was <laughs> a fun tournament. But I will say Josh Allen was on the tournament a lot from what I heard. Um, on TV and, and he's, he's embraced when you're, when you're at the, the major championship and you're the quarterback of the local, you know, quote unquote, local team, that's a big deal. Like Josh Allen was, you know, I, I will get into this. I'm sure here for the next, however many months, but I'm really thinking about, cause you got me thinking about with Trevor Lawrence, we're going to do our little, nobody cares about quarterback rankings eventually, but I'm telling you, you know, after Mahomes, I still think he's right. I think he's two. Keywords after Mahomes. I take him over Burrow. I think I take him over Burrow. Would you? You'd go Allen over Burrow right now. Really, but but Tyler, here's the thing. I don't want to get into pandering right now. I didn't want to get into that because that's the worst. Because we're arguing about there's no right answer, and they're both incredible. So I'll tell you what's worse than rankings, though. And on May 22nd, Jim, it's. It's this. I need your I need your opinion because I'm going to forget yeah, if, I didn't, if I don't jump into this. All right. So it was uh, like the first flight out of the Buffalo Airport, basically. Five-something through JFK to Jacksonville this morning. So, you know, coming up from Boston, you got to get up early. It was about a 3 a.m. wake up. And then, you know, you leave the, the vehicle at the parking spot, take the shuttle from the parking spot to the airport. So where where do you fall down on – Shuttle etiquette. A lot of people jammed in. I'm like, 
you know, face in the phone, reading an article, not really ready to have a conversation pre-coffee at mm. that time. It's just, it's like that old commercial where the guy just can't talk to anybody before he has a cup of coffee. It's so true. Let alone strangers. But there was a family that came on this shuttle gym and the father of the family was bombastic, loud, in your face. Scream talking is probably the best way to put it. He couldn't just talk to his family members. He, he needed to scream. And I'm not looking over, but at one point, like my peripheral vision, I swear he like lifted up his shirt and like itched at his armpit. And he's just trying to trying to engage in conversation with the other strangers, you know, talking in a way that really lets you know, hey, you should jump in at any minute. He's, he's begging you to jump in and nobody really took the bait. But I will, I, I will some faith in humanity, the, the parking spot driver at one point, we pull up and he just screamed over the guy, airlines. You know, they ask you what air, what airlines are getting on. We're at the Buffalo Airport. You really don't need to ask that. Everybody's getting into the same tour. It's so small. So he kind of put him in his place. And yeah, he didn't he didn't really care if he got a tip. He's not gonna tip from that guy anyway. So I don't know. Morning got off to a rough start, but I think we have to put scream talking at 3 45 a.m. traveler right there with deplaning budger. Stand up right when the plane lands guy i there's we're, we're we've got to lump these people into the same bucket and then dump this bucket over a cliff somewhere right keep the volume down all the time yeah it's a it's just a good way to go about business just keep it keep it quiet we get it you need attention when you're loud you need attention oh I think I'm still recovering, but we're that, good. That's a tough we're way good. to start off, though, Tyler. That's a tough way to start off. Then I think about seven coffees later, we were good to go. Day one down here went went great. You know, the Jaguars, their PR staff does it right. Um, they're like there's there's a, a good amount of PR staffs that do value storytelling and long form journalism, and they read the stuff that we've got cooking it go along. And they they're fantastic with access. It's we're we're really fortunate, right? I mean, because Go Along didn't exist a few years ago, but I think they're familiar with what I do, and um, I think that readers are really going to like what what we're going to have for them. They're, I've got another trip to Detroit in a couple weeks, and there's you know there's some teams with staffs where you know you might write something a little critical, and they go the other direction. I'm not going to use names. We could at some point probably. But I think it is interesting. I think it does say a lot about those organizations that are have a, have a little thicker skin than than others that shall remain nameless. So we're going to keep. You've been around, around some PR staffs, Jim, right? You know the well, power of PR staffs. It's interesting. We're going to keep them nameless, but I feel like you're trending better in warm weather teams than maybe <laughs> cold weather teams. Well, my I'm wife's going to say what. You keep going to Florida. <laughs> I'm not naming names, but you sure do go far, far away from some of those. <laughs> no, I will. Hey, you cover some of those. We went to Foxborough for the Matthew Judon story last year. We went to Detroit for the uh, the two parter on the Lions yeah. offensive line. Just you know, done a lot of Giants stuff. What else? Vikings, right? No, I'm Vikings. kidding. You stayed. You, you stayed. Oh yeah, Miami, Miami for the Dolphins multiple times, and Unique and Gakwe was down there. So yeah, you're Any not. Excuse you need. You're not lying. 
Any excuse you have to use to go to Miami, do it. <sighs> I mean, Fort, I mean, Fort Lauderdale is better than Miami if you're really going to get down to it. Right? Miami's kind of, kind of gross. Yeah, not. I mean, gross is a little strong. It's a little too busy and a little too expensive. Yeah, gross was strong. I don't. I don't want to offend our Miami listeners. I can't. The weather's amazing. The beach is amazing. But I think I, I, I think Fort Lauderdale is is better than Miami. No. Gonna, yeah. Let's keep this. Yeah, we're gonna keep it moving. I, hmm. You you you're doing good with hot takes. Like you really are on some good hot takes recently, and I'm liking it. I can't even do this one with you. Yeah. A little delirious, I think, from all the, the travel yeah. and everything. So it's but, but hey, a rough pod. It's, it's Florida. A lot so of takes. Just, Florida is – and you know how I feel about Miami. That's a different country. I don't even consider it Florida. That's why I love it so much. Key West, not that far away, too. That really does feel like you're in another country. Love the Keys. All right. All right. There's really no taking off point from there. I wanted to talk about the Bills today, Jim. And – our listeners might have caught the solo pod that I had up over the weekend on Isaiah McKenzie. Holy hell. I mean, people, this is just the nature of the business, and I'm not even going to complain about it. There are, there are a lot of NFL writers that they'll see a snippet from a story or a podcast kind of go viral, and justifiably so will kind of like bitch and moan and complain like that it was taken out of context, but – I've never really been that guy because I think it's it's great that people are interested in an Isaiah McKenzie happy hour, right? I mean, that's that's good. We want people to check it out. I just hope that they, you know, listened or watched more than 14 seconds of an 88-minute happy hour because I think in, in this case, the the substance of what Isaiah said was – misconstrued or it kind of took on a life of its own and the Bengals, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd tweeted in response were pissed off by the headline that Isaiah McKenzie said it would have been a totally different game, different story, however you put it, if they played the Bengals in a dome. He didn't say that they would have beat Cincinnati and won it all. Like It just would have been a different game. He's right. It would have been a different game. I think Cincinnati still wins. They were more talented. They they were ascending. The Bills were descending. Um, but McKenzie's point, and I want to get your perspective. That's why I'm bringing it up again, Jim, was a, a, a critical point toward the Bills, not the Bengals. He's, he's criticizing the Bills' offense for the route concepts being a little too long to develop, which is difficult in the snow. Said, you know, Ken, Ken Dorsey is a shots guy. I mean, everybody heard it here. It's in the podcast feed. I, Ken Dorsey wants to take shots. That's his game. That's his right. You know, he's a, a former college star. He's been in the NFL now for a long time. He's been waiting for this opportunity. He wants his imprint on this Bills offense. I think we were all kind of wrong to assume that Ken Dorsey would just do exactly what Brian Dable did. Right? I mean, we all kind of just assume that. Like, what a great hire. This is who Josh Allen wants. Give Josh Allen the coordinator to the play caller he wants, which I still think is the right call. But I think a lot of us, maybe not you, Jim, but most people just assumed it would be seamless. Same offense, same flow. It wasn't – I mean, they they basically eliminated the slot receiver as it was with Cole Beasley and, and Brian Dable's offense. 
which that took the place of the running game when you have the short to intermediate passing game with, with Beasley. He gets old and isn't retained. Isaiah McKenzie wins the quote-unquote slot job in training camp over Jamison Crowder. And then whenever they need a slot receiver to run option routes, as Isaiah explained, they they, they bring Stephon Diggs inside. So now, so now you're getting Stephon. It's kind of a bad boat on, on both sides of the equation here because not only do you, you don't have a pure slot, but Diggs isn't as good in the slot as he will be out at, at, at the X position or out wide. Um, his numbers were average to above average the back half of the season. Uh, so you kind of neuter, I mean, maybe 80, 85% of himself in, inside. Uh, so that it's a detriment there. It's a detriment because you don't have the slot weapon. And then you get in that game against Cincinnati, against a good defense where the windows are tighter. Lou Anarumo is one of the best coordinators in football. He's not going to give you anything for free. They they came in and punched Buffalo in the mouth, and, and Buffalo had no answer. So I think it's so lazy for us all to just write it off as oh they weren't up for the game. No, the p- players were ready to were ready to move on from that tragedy at least as professionals and play a game. Let alone the fact that you can use it for good. They put Demar Hamlin up on the jumbotron like right when since he's in the red zone. Uh, but I mean they're professionals. We heard as Isaiah said, guys, were, there were a lot of guys who wanted to play that night on January second. So I think it's lazy in, on our part in the media to say, oh, they weren't, they weren't up for it, which I had heard um, the head coach actually mentioned to a media member like, yeah, our guys were just, were just run down at that point of the season. They had nothing left, which could be true. But I think the players we've talked to, and there's been several on record, they were ready to play a football game. And I think that there is a tangible explanation for that 27 to 10 beatdown. And it's, it was crystallized perfectly by Isaiah that in that environment, they weren't built to play in that environment, which is crazy because it's Buffalo. Yeah. You're on the lake. It snows. And we're seeing to the bill's credit. I'm, 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 Totally monopolizing this podcast, Jim, so I apologize. We're seeing a counter with their personnel moves. So I want to get into that later, but first, your thoughts on what Isaiah said. I keep it pretty basic what he said. I'm keeping it to the point where he is talking straight concepts versus defenses versus a situational game, game planning, game calling, concepts, routes. I get that. I, I'm not reading much more into it, to be honest with you. I, I think the Bills are built just fine. I I think it's a – I get what he's saying. I don't think he's making an excuse at all. I think he what he said has – you know, there's some strength. There's some validity to that. I get it. But we all – I'm, I'm sorry, but Bengals were, I think, the better just team. I really do. I think they were the better team. I think Burrow – we'll talk about this, but Burrow, I mean – this team is, it's not like they're not loaded. Like this is a loaded football team. So the Bills lost to a really good team. It's okay. And the Bills are going to be right back in it again this year with the same players. And Isaiah, I get what he meant, but I think they're built just fine. Like I, I feel like to what you're saying, I think everything's okay. Now the Dorsey Dable stuff, that I wouldn't get into more. That, that's my point. Yes. Now, now I think, now I think I like this better more than that. I think that's, I get what he was saying. 
This is interesting to me. What, what history do they have together, Dorsey and Dable? I, I, I'm personally asking. I haven't looked because I'm just thinking about it right now. Do you see what I'm saying? I, well, we could really check that. But if, if they haven't come up together, like, you know, how some coaches, you know, like Sean Payton, he'll take Joe Lombardi or Pete Carmichael. You know, Pete Carmichael, you know, there, there's that tree. Carmichael's been there since 2006. That's nuts. It's the year we got hired, Tyler. It's the year they all came in. Coach Payton, it's unbelievable. And I've said on this show, he doesn't even get interviews for head coaching jobs. He doesn't get a sniff. I talked to a couple players that, yeah, they're not that he, whatever. But back to the whole thing. I think if there's a, there, if there's no history with Dorsey and Dable, he, yeah, go ahead if you're looking. But this is Dorsey. Yeah, I, they, I thought that they connected maybe in Cleveland when Ken Dorsey was a, a backup there and Dable was an assistant. He was, yeah, he was the offensive coordinator. But no, like uh, Dorsey was in Cleveland and. 06, 07, 08, Dable came in 09. And from there, Dorsey played a year for the Argonauts and CFL. Then he was a QB coach. That's right. He was a pro scout with the Panthers in 11 and 12. And then he moved to coaching the quarterbacks from 13 to 17 uh, before having a year as the Florida International University assistant (laughs) AD in 18. Forget about that. And then he went to Buffalo. I want that job so bad. You just you you just said something. That I it just triggered me. We gotta get that. that's a retirement job right there. Not for you. Not it's Miami. Hey, you pick Bru- you pick Brooks uh, Kepka a few more times. You'll be good to go. Brooksy, <laughs> he's my favorite oh, man. It's good to see him back. I don't watch Live. All right. Anyway, Dorsey. So no history. Different offense. Though he wanted him in New York, so he, they liked each other, clearly. No doubt. But but that's fine. There's definitely a respect then if he wanted him. But this is Dorsey's – this is going to be his offense, whatever his – you know, we don't know whatever that is. He'll – he. I'm sure a, a ton of what Dable installed and what Josh Allen loves. But Dorsey's going to be calling it differently, putting different plays in. That's just the nature of it. So that's Isaiah's point. It's different, and he's right. It looked different. It's a big play league, so you can't really fault Ken Dorsey and, and his logic. Like he, no. he wants that 50-yarder, that 60-yarder. I mean, hell, they had a few the week prior against Miami. The, 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 the numbers, when you just look from 2021 to 2022, are very similar because of the big chunk plays. But that rhythm, that flow, it just really wasn't there. And I think we've discussed this, Jim, but you get into the playoffs and you've got to win three to four games to win a Super Bowl, it's hard to sustain the big play equation game to game to game to like you just look that this is how Tom Brady gets the 14 conference championships and wins seven Super Bowls. He doesn't nothing about Tom Brady makes you go, wow, what a throw. But he just knows exactly where that weakness in your defense is gonna be time and time again, picks you apart. And just wins that time of year. That that's what it takes. I think that's why Burrow has been better, or at least eh, it's up for debate. But he's he's been a little better than Josh Allen in the playoffs. He's got that kind of game. He completes passes to seven receivers in the first quarter of that game. Like Isaiah said, they're running these short routes. You, I love what like, you just when said. when the field is that slick and stuff too. The receiver knows where he's going and when he's going to stop. You can yeah. decelerate and throttle down and 
you've got the fear of the deep ball, but then you just stop at six, seven yards. They made it look easy. The Bills just weren't doing that. Fair enough. You know, like I said, that's a one game sample. Hey, they tried, it didn't work. But the other stuff with like Burrow, that is so well said. That's what he does. Nothing phases him, just like Brady. That 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 incredible toughness that the team just loves, and he just keeps coming back. It, you will never. He's going to keep picking you apart. That's his game. I, I, that when you said that, you're exactly right. And I think Josh Allen, you'd like to see him get to that because there is a little bit of the the boomer bust kind of play with Josh Allen sometimes. You know, just with his big runs or big crazy throws but where is the just it's okay to have nice long drives and and get some third get eight get nine yards on third and five you know it's okay but those great quarterbacks and i'm thinking about breeze now that i was around when you talk about burrow and brady and man those defensive coordinators they are they really are in fear like they know it that is the true game of football when those those defensive quarters, when they play a quarterback that is so mentally, you know, that they know it's hard to trick them, they're terrified. They're terrified. I've seen it everywhere I've been, and it's awesome. Like, it's one of the greatest things about the high-level quarterback play that people don't understand. Greg Will, like, a D coordinator, they're the best to talk to. Like, Sean, Sean would be great to talk to McDermott just to say, what quarterbacks did you hate calling a defense against? You know, he would have the list. He'll be like, I couldn't, you know. So everybody has it. But that's where I think Josh Allen wants to get. It doesn't always have to be all physical, highlight, incredible throws that nobody on the planet can make, runs nobody can make. You know, that next part is it's okay to just slowly, slowly beat that team down. And that's what the Bengals, I think, did to Buffalo. It was pretty much whatever they wanted, really. I think he can, too. I think Josh Allen can do it. Oh, there's no He question. had the epic no game against Kansas City the year prior no when question. they're taking digs out. So what does he do? He goes to Gabe Davis in clutch situation. I don't think there's anything he can't do. I, I really don't. You know how I feel about him. If they don't hold him back, let him be himself. <laughs> and the, go for it on fourth be, down. I, I for, see, I, I almost put that out of my mind. Now we're gonna I'm gonna be we're gonna focus on that so much week one. Like I get it. He pro- he had to say the right thing and that he's got to watch out for his own longevity. And I don't know. I think the window's open now. Don't play scared. Well, we, we, we've discussed that. Here's what I'll say, Jim, on the Bills and the counterpunch to this all with Ken Dorsey. He's going to be in position to counter with something else. He's got to evolve. Right, he's got to, he's got to evolve. That's what this time of year is, is for. He's, I mean, he's probably staying up late at night, you know, burning that midnight oil, all of that. Part, you know, w- w- watching the, the the defenses he's going to face all season, look looking to find some type of advantage, some type of tweak. I mean, that, that's what this time of year is for. And what's that counter going to be? Well, you can't say that he doesn't have the players. I think they had the players to win it all last year. Honestly, I, I think that they did the team to win it. I agree. I think the coaches have kind of let the players down, frankly, the last few years um, in the playoffs, whether it's Sean with the, the punts or 
Dorsey with the scheme. Um, defensively, Leslie Frazier, who, Frazier, who's no longer on the team anymore, he had some rough moments in the playoffs and was possibly scapegoated for it. A lot, a lot, a lot of unknowns in that department. But there's no debate about the personnel now. I mean, Damian Harris, two down back, punch you in the mouth kind of guy. Um, Osiris Torrance, the guard out of Florida in the second round. You saw what the scout said on him. Rugged, tough, you know, brings a certain temperament. Connor McGovern from Dallas. Tough. Fits the same mold. And then you draft the tight end in the first round, Dalton Kincaid, who's now going to be your slot. You're going from a 5'8 slot receiver and Beasley and Isaiah, whatever the hell Isaiah was in this offense last year, to a 6'4". 250 tight end. And this is a team, I can't take credit for this. Robert Mays and Nate Tice do, do an excellent job on their show. They mentioned this on a recent podcast. You know, the Bills went 12 personnel, 3.7% of the snaps last season, dead last in the NFL. The average was 18.1%. <laughs> the Bills were at 3.7. And now, you can make the argument that 12 personnel should be their base offense. Knox, who you're, Dawson Knox, you're paying him a lot of money. Dalton Kincaid, a first-round investment. Mm-hmm. Quentin Morris, Reggie Gilliam, who's going to have a fullback tight end hybrid. You can have these different body types out there on the field at the same time that are going to feed that unpredictability that just wasn't there last year. They you know, they, they probably, probably wanted to run the ball. You know Sean wanted to run the ball more often than they did. Yet when they tried to do it, it was like they were they had, they were trying to be something that they weren't. They couldn't they couldn't kid anybody. Like you don't have the players to go out there and run the ball downhill like Cincinnati was doing and play physical. They could they just couldn't do it. You couldn't flip that switch. You've got to be able to flip the switch. And you know I don't I don't think they have to change who they are and become this smash mouth, you know, Rex Ryan ground and pound operation that that you remember fondly. Uh, <laughs> but you have to have some of that. In the playoffs, I mean, look at the Chiefs. They they evolved last year without Tyreek Hill, and they won a Super Bowl. So that's where that evolution is. They're, they're going to have this ability, in theory, to go out there and just run the ball if you're going to sit back with two safeties or try to cover with all these DBs or spend extra energy toward other guys. Um, this should be you really – you just did a great job of kind of summarizing how the Bills are changing their look coming up this season um those two tight ends they have you know maybe they're fans of the book the blood and guts because tight ends are weapons and Dawson Knox is a good player we talked about it last year where we thought or I mentioned we you know we talked about I thought he was a little bit not involved like he was with Dable now you got now you have two tight ends that are matchup nightmares with everything else and another thing I like, Singletary Moss, they have tried with running backs. You know, they've tried to their credit, and it never quite gelled. And they, what do they do? They change. They have, they have different guys in now, and they're going to tr- – they different offensive linemen. Give Bean credit, give Sean credit, McDermott. They're trying to change their look a little bit. You talked about it. Let's get this quarterback weapons. Let's score points. They kind of did that. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm looking at this offense right now. I'm like, man, 
they're going to be a little different now to prepare for, for these D coordinators in the division who are, you know, all of a sudden now they may have a whole new look tendencies that weren't there. That stat is, that's a great stat. Like two tight ends, which I'm trying to remember Brandon Bean when he was in Carolina, I want to say he was in some capacity was around for, Obviously, Greg Olson's entirety. You know, he's one oh, of the yeah. best tight ends ever. He, he's got a chapter in the blood and guts, too. Uh, but when Olson and Shockey were there together, I mean, they worked in conjunction uh, to help a young Cam Newton. Jeremy Shockey just casually I, saving a teammate's life, Ben Hartsock. It's, impossible, at, at it's lunch. impossible to not say Shockey's name and just not laugh. I know. Like, Well, it's insane. I mean, Hartsock is choking. Like he's, and then he tried to wash it down, which you never do when you're choking and went to the bathroom, came back. And I talked to Ben about it in the book and he's, you know, just trying to get somebody's attention. A lineman comes up to him and more or less is just spooning him doing nothing. And then he said that Jeremy just kind of set down his fork, walked over casually, like any, any given Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it was, gave him the old high look and whoo, saved his life. So a man of many talents, that Jeremy Shockey. So I think Brandon Bean gets the value of the tight end. I remember hearing from somebody that he was a big Shockey fan. He loves Shockey. I don't know so how he's got be a Shockey fan. I mean, oh, I know. He's special. He's special. Here's the human element of it, though, too, Jim. They've got to, they've got to trust players and let players work through some mistakes. I mean, James Cook was a rookie. I get it. Um, he averaged almost six yards a carry, and I feel like he was kind of phased out for stretches. Naeem Hines, what do you have, a, a 13 touches in 11 games? Isaiah McKenzie has made his opinion known. I mean, yeah, he had five or six drops, but let's also not forget that Kansas City game. He's playing through concussion when he probably shouldn't have been out there, and it just it seemed like he, he was just running clear routes. He was a decoy. They weren't, they weren't really letting him. Get some bubbles. Get him going. Get his confidence. Try try to get these guys' confidence up. It became very stale that way. I think they were hesitant, whether it's a Dorsey thing or a McDermott thing. Maybe you can answer that. You know, maybe the head coach is stepping in and and saying, oh, like, you, you need – because we, we probably had more control over the offense with Dable gone. He probably had his fingerprints all over this thing to some degree. But it just seemed like it became stale in, in that way. It was a lot of digs, a lot of Davis – and then all of a sudden they're calling up Beasley and John Brown in the middle of the year. So I think they just, they've got a lot of new faces. Use them, use them. These guys are talented. They went through so much last year and became the focus of really the whole country, you know, especially the NFL. This year, right now, they're that team that, you know, it's the Jets, it's Lamar's back, it's, you know, Burroughs still, we still got Mahomes. It's like the Bills aren't always, I know they're respected, but I'm saying it's going to be nice for the Bills to just be able to go about their business again and play football. And you can tell that they're revamping things in that way that great teams do. And I can remember it in New Orleans a little bit when we left, like when it was kind of Deuce McAllister, Reggie Bush, but then it started evolving with Pierre Thomas and Reggie and maybe a, a veteran, you know, we always had, it was just always evolving. If you know, if you can, I'm, I'm just trying to say the great teams don't stand pat, you know, they they make, 
they make moves like this. And I kind of like what the Bills are doing. I'm excited to see this like whole but we know what it all comes down to anyway. It comes down to Josh Allen staying healthy and being as great as he needs to be. I mean, that's a Chris at the end of the day, we can talk about Sproles, it. Mark Ingram. Sproles. Right. We brought in Sproles. Then we draft Ingram. You see what I'm saying? Like Coach Payton went from he thought Reggie, we thought Reggie Bush was going to be every, I mean, it was going to be just like college. And we found out pretty quick that it was going to be, it wasn't going to be college. Yeah. Coach Payton does a great job and just gets him the ball however he can. But realizing he's going to have to change to get this running game the way he wanted it. Because all Coach Payton cared about was fourth quarter. You got to run the ball to finish the game. And man, we did it. Like, I, I guess it's always fun when I look back on it and see, and that's why you can see with the bill, the bills are built, right. They're, they're doing things the right way. That is such a great comparison, Jim. I mean, to, to draft a Reggie Bush second overall, whenever everybody thought he'd go first, he's not what you expect, but you still maxed him out. Oh, he you got, you got the best out of the player. Like the coaches and the saints are maximizing the player. It wasn't, we got to move on from this player because he's not what we thought. Let's get what we can for him. It was no, like that's, that that's being user friendly, player friendly. That's, that's how the best teams operate. Not to say the bills don't do that. I mean, they, they've done it to an extent, but I think just in general, what a great blueprint. Tyler, look what Reggie Bush did after new Orleans people like it, it is a great, he was really good in Miami and really good in Detroit. Basically, he was a. I'm, I'm going to just keep using that really good. He was a really good pick. He was a really good football player. Um, I believe, I would think anybody in New Orleans would think, I mean, he was, I don't know if we win a Super Bowl without him. But I can tell you this, that every defensive coordinator always knew when he was on the field, where he was lining up, and how are they going to get miss? you know, who are they going to try to mismatch him against? Quick I can tell you this too, Tyler. I picked him up at the airport in Buffalo when we brought him here. And that ride from the Buffalo airport to um, St. John Fisher for training camp. um, It was nice. Like it was good. See, like we were talking old stories and it kind of hit me, man. He was not, you could tell it was like, I don't know. He really wasn't into it. He was. He, he, like, he, he's a professional. Like, he is always in incredible shape. He loves football, shows up for every, I mean, everything, tough, everything. So he was professional, but I think it was one of those, he's like, where am I? Is this, I, I just kept thinking, like, where am I? Like, how did it start from New Orleans? Now I'm in a car, like, we well, were that's, on, you know. It's not really a scenic drive. I mean, the throughway, the 90. Across the state, Buffalo to Albany. You see what I'm saying? Not the prettiest in parts. You see what I mean? Like, <laughs> but well, hey, he gave I, you 12 carries for negative three yards with a long of five. It is one of the most confusing. It is almost you have to almost scheme that for that to happen. Like, it's almost impossible. Cause he still could play. He could have helped the right, like right situation, right. Everything. He was still 
Reggie was still good enough to help. He was done after that year. He was done. He, too. That was it. Smart. Why? Thirty-one years old. Get out. I hope they get him that Heisman. When you really look back, I mean, I mean, where does that rank on one of the most ridiculous? I get it. You've got to judge history and in, in the era in which those events occurred. I know, but but I mean, that was ridiculous then. It it happened at all the big time programs. Man. You got me excited talking about Reggie Bush because that's my all time favorite draft I've ever been a part of. It was it so, was just the. It turned, you know, it was part of that whole. He didn't even make a Pro Bowl, which is crazy to think about. But it, his impact on the offense, it really did go beyond the numbers, didn't it? It he did. I mean, but the numbers are pretty good, though. The numbers are pretty good. They're solid. I mean, in, in that Super Bowl season, 09 is exactly the way you described. I mean, you have Mike Bell as the back I couldn't think of. Yeah. Mike Bell. I couldn't remember all the names, Thomas. Tyler, because, yeah, I couldn't even remember all the names. We kept trying and trying to find the right chemistry, you know. I think that's what the Bills are trying to figure out, right? Naeem Hines, Damian Harris, Latavius Murray, James Cook, um, even go to receiver Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy. Gabe Davis, Diggs, obviously. Khalil Shakir, Justin Shorter that you drafted out of Florida. This team. I mean, they, I think they're, they did, I think they kept the Super Bowl window open this offseason. Oh, 100% agree. It's wide open with this wide open right now. Love it. Really do. I do. I mean, we, every year we, we kind of wonder about that window and we're talking through this. I'm glad we did this today because it gave us a chance to really look at this roster. This is I like this I like the way this is trending for them. I think part of it too. The Jets are going to be the Jets. I'm sorry, they are a dysfunctional organization. I mean, you saw I believe it was Ty Johnson opened up on how they treated him through an injury. Mackay Becton, same deal. Whether it's I mean they can't get out of their own way. They just trip over themselves at every turn. The Bills they don't, you don't know what you don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to screw this up. That's just what the Jets do. It's not about Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen. It's Nathaniel Hackett versus Sean McDermott. I'll take Sean. And I know McDermott Sean likes his odds in that battle of the wits. I mean, I'm I'm joking. Obviously, it's always about the quarterbacks, but. Don't think for a second that egos aren't involved right now, to your point. Because are Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett, are they this unstoppable combo? Well, when Devontae Adams is your starting wide receiver, sure. Now, we know that the Jets have – I mean, we've talked about it. We know that they're certainly talented. But they haven't played together at all. This Bills team is like that rugged, been through battles, been through heart – like heart ripped out moments and come back from them. Not even talking about 13 seconds. Then you have Hamlin. It's unbelievable what they've come, you know, really been through as a team. This Jets team haven't been through anything. That's such a good point. I think the Bills can come out of this all as a, as a mentally tough team. 
I believe in that. I expect the Jets to remain a mentally soft team. I did. And you can't just cobble stuff together like this in one off season and win a Super Bowl. It's I, always going to come back to Tampa, right? It always comes back to Brady. I just put Brady in a class of his own. I don't think quarterbacks at 39, 40 years old elevate those around them. And that's what they're going to need Aaron Rodgers to do. It's it's a very good offense, but Garrett Wilson isn't Devontae Adams. Not yet. He just isn't. He might be one day, but that, that what made that's that relationship well special was the the reps, the thousands, tens of thousands of reps that Rodgers and Adams built up. I mean, Devontae Adams, That's I want to say his, his second year was a disaster in Green Bay. 15? That Aaron I mean, Jordy Nelson tore his ACL, and, and Adams, he was not the Adams that we know today. I'm just saying, when you're a receiver for Aaron Rodgers, it takes time. He's audibling to plays that he ran years ago. It's part of the genius of his quarterbacking <laughs> style. But I don't, I don't know what to make of Nathaniel Hackett and their arrangement. And I, I tend to think for this exercise, it, it, it more so go the Denver direction than the Tampa Bay direction in 2023 for the Jets because Tua Tonga Viola, as long as he's out there. Is only going to be better in year two with Mike McDaniel and those receivers. You can never count out Bill Belichick. I think they'll be competitive. I can. I think the Jets finished last in the division. That's fair, but I count out Belichick. I told you, you I'm done. With, yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm good on him. I'll give him his respect, but two coordinators, son D coordinator, no wins without Brady. I'm good. When it's all said and done. I mean, Andy Reid is just going to keep coaching Mahomes. Um, it's he could run away with it. I will say this: I'll throw one guy in the mix, Sean Payton. If he can get that quarterback, Caleb Williams from USC. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's even possible. But that would be a, that would be my that would be the way I could see Coach Payton like making a run. But you're right. I, for me, it's going to be Andy Reid and everybody else is catching up. Maybe that's Sean playing chess to everybody's checkers. He knows that Russell Wilson is so washed up <laughs> that he took this job because this season is going to be so you bad. Free, you do have a free year. You're right about that. It is. You're right. It, it's a no risk. Yeah, I'll coach Russell Wilson. I'll see what I can get out of him. If not, we'll get the best quarterback prospect we've seen since Mahomes. Coach Payton wanted Mahomes. So don't he think he's not going to go after Caleb Williams. That's real. I mean, I've heard that from so many people. You've heard it from people. I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't think that's it's like out a, there. I mean, that's not a, you know, some kind of crazy statement. I mean, everybody wants a great quarterback, but anyway. Now, you got to, you got me talking saints. You took me yeah. back. All right. Quick thoughts on the NFL giving Thursday night football a loving, tender massage because they care about player safety so much. Go ahead. You can say it best because I agree with everything you say. It's just bullshit. I mean, don't yes, don't tell us the lies about how much you care about Over these guys. It. Over it. You don't you don't care. You don't 
You don't. I, I've if seen you cared, it. Talked about it. You'd own small. the violence. You'd own what the sport is, and then you would do what you can around that reality. You get rid of Thursday night football. You get rid of the preseason. You get rid of a seventeenth game. You you put in more guaranteed money somehow contractually. Yeah, we're player first more often than not, and it just is. If I hope that the players, you know what, some of this is on the players, right? When you're at that bargaining table, when the CBA is up, I know you got to pick your battles and money talks even for the players with like a 17th game and, you know, swindling the public into paying for football that is awful in the preseason. But I think the players that that's a spot where they need to take a stand for their future selves. You would hope, you know what else, Tyler? And I just learned this really through my experience with the XFL being on the kind of behind the scenes and the operations and logistics side of it. The players, obviously, it's just it makes no sense to make them play on a Thursday. But for the whole staff, I'm talking equipment staff, um, the daily operations, the, you know, the get the field together, stadium staff. That's a lot to even get, you know, it's such a quick turnaround. It's just hard on everybody. You see, it affects the whole building, not just the, you know, what they do to the players is just, it's just not, I mean, I don't know. You and I talked about it. We agree. It's, it's, every Sunday is a car wreck. It's a human car wreck. There's no other you way need, to say it. A, you need no a full other way week at least to recover from that car wreck. Um, and that, that's just present tense. We're not even getting into how they're going to get out of bed in the morning through their 40s and 50s and 60s with the quick turnarounds. All right. Let's end on that uplifting, inspiring nugget. Actually, no, good news. The draft's going to Green Bay next year, so that's pretty awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. Everybody load up on your cheese curds. I just can't year. believe the draft is a traveling thing. <laughs> it is. It is. I know. I, I Shame on me for just, like, having that roll off my tongue. It is insane and ridiculous that 312,000 people just flood Kansas City. The cheer on names that they've never heard of, heard of in it's their awesome. lives. It really is awesome. Is it, though? No. <laughs> I want no part of it. You'd rather be in a shuttle from the parking spot to the airport, listening to a scream talker itching his armpit at 3.45 a.m. Same thing as in every NFL draft room. (laughs) That's exactly what we're doing. We're just screaming names and scratching ourselves pretty much. (laughs) Pounding coffee. Pounding coffee. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to our nonsense and pontification. We, we appreciate it. Uh, rate review, share the pod. That's how we keep this thing growing and subscribe to golongtd.com to get all these features. We're talking about more trips scheduled in Jacksonville right now, then Tampa, then Detroit. And we always know uh, where the bread must be buttered with all of our Buffalo green Bay and giants throw them in there listeners. And let me know. I mean, if, Hey, if you're a fan of the Falcons, I know we have a couple Falcon fans that listen or, the Dolphins or the Chiefs, let let me know. Shoot me an email, a DM, some story ideas. It's all about you, so we'll try to make it happen. Jim, see you up north soon. Travel safe.
Thanks, everyone.